The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information on this or other KUCI programs, visit KUCI.org or KUCITalk.org. You're listening to Real People of Orange County, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. This show is a fun and informative look inside the lives of Orange County's best and brightest. These are people who serve their community in a meaningful capacity on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. And welcome back to Real People of Orange County on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We are broadcasting live from the University of California campus in Irvine. We are streaming on the web at KUCI.org. We are always available via podcast on the same website. I'm your guest host, Marie Stone, in for Kimberly Martin. But I am doing what she does each and every Thursday afternoon, which is talk with Orange County's best and brightest, those men and women who are serving their community in a meaningful capacity. So this Sunday kicks off National Friends of Libraries Week, and in honor of it, I will be interviewing Abby Waxman, author of several great books, The Garden of Small Beginnings, Other People's Houses, and most recently, The Bookish Life of Nina Hill. We will be in conversation at the Costa Mesa Women's Club on Sunday, October 20th at 2 p.m., so you can join us there. Abby is exceedingly funny and slightly irreverent and engaging in ways only British can be engaging. <laughs> she is. Uh, she's wonderful. So if you are interested in that, you can go on the web, look up Abby Waxman at Costa Mesa Women's Club, 2 o'clock on Sunday. But in the meantime, I wanted to spend some time today talking about our libraries, our library system, the amazing work they are doing in our communities, some surprising stuff you may not know is going on, um, how they've adapted and changed with the times, and how Maybe they should be a little more utilized than we are. We've had that conversation offline here. And generally celebrate their great contributions to our community. So to that end, I've assembled a panel of three amazing folks. And because the panel is big and the topics are many, I'm going to let each of them briefly introduce themselves. Uh, but they are all associated in one way or another with our fantastic library system. Friends, welcome. Um, so, Jane, maybe we'll start with you. If you can introduce yourself, talk a little bit about your background, how you got interested in the in the library system and what you do. Um, okay, my name is Jane Dealey. I'm a regional services manager for Orange County Public Libraries. I've been a librarian for about at least 20 years. Um, I'm from back east. I started as a library page and worked my way up, and um, I just love being in a library, especially a public library. And um, right now I oversee the central region, which includes the branches in Irvine uh, and Costa Mesa, including the fabulous new Donald Dungan Library and Tustin and Foothill and Fountain Valley. So awesome. So before we get started um, with a few more questions, because you've been in the system for so long, the library system for so long, have you seen a lot of changes? I'm sure you have over that time period and and maybe just kind of highlight what libraries looked like when you first started versus what they sort of look like these days. Um Absolutely, definitely. <laughs> um, so now we sort of use the catchphrase at OCPL that books are just the beginning, where years ago it might have been all about the books, all about that um, 
paper material. But now we like to think of the libraries as the third place. That's what we refer to it as. So it's not your home. It's not where you go to earn a living every day, but it's where you meet your neighbors. It's where you listen to music. It's where you play a board game. It's where you listen to a discussion or watch a TED Talk. It's where you learn to use a sewing machine. (laughs) So um, it's completely different, and really our focus is now is bringing community together. People are more isolated than ever due to technology and such. So we really want to be that third place that people look to. It's so funny you should say that because I just saw something shamefully on Facebook yesterday that was talking about how libraries should be the new bar, like a third choice so that you're Mm -hmm. not just choosing between going out to drink with your friends and sitting at home in your closet, you know, on Facebook Mm -hmm. as, as apparently I was when I came around. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, there's, there's such a tremendous amount of resources um, Mm -hmm. available to people in a great gathering community place. Mm -hmm. Allie, tell us about you. Thank you for having us and for this opportunity to shine a light on libraries, both public and school and educators. Um, So, yes, my name's Allison Wright, and I'm a resident in Costa Mesa. Very proud to be there with our new library and all that's going on here in Costa Mesa. I'm the VP of events for our Friends of the Library, so that entails... uh, uh, coordinating author talks as well as some other events we're looking at hosting. Um, I was an educator um, both in the high school level and special ed as well as early childhood, mm-hmm. most recently kindergarten, and then working for the publisher, the National Science Teachers Association. So cool. So cool. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Glenn. Yeah. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> tell us all Tell us all about yourself because there's a lot to tell. <laughs> Well, my name is Glenn Warren. Uh, I am um, currently uh, working. Uh, I live in Orange County. Yeah. Um, I my whole family is here. We've been here uh, for over thirty five years. Right. Uh, so we we really love it. Uh, love Orange County. I currently am working as the director of literacies, outreach, and libraries. Um, in the Encinitas Union School District. That does make me the LOL director. Uh, love it. Well, actually, I'm glad you said that because the goal is eventually to turn that into the love of learning director. I like that even more. Yeah, right, because it. students are learning, but they may not be loving it. And that's a really a huge issue. And I think it speaks directly to what libraries are all about. But anyway, back to my, my roles. Um, I'm also the vice president of the California School Library Association. Um, and I've been that for for quite a long, long time. Um, I'm an educator. I've been a a teacher uh, in the classroom. Actually, I am an Orange County Teacher of the Year. Congratulations. Um, That was from 2014. The reason I became the Orange County Teacher of the Year is because I implemented school librarianship into my classroom. And as a result of uh, helping to write the California standards for school libraries, we implemented it into the school uh, classroom environment and uh, freed students to pursue um, not uh, required learning, like you will learn this. We, we freed, freed students to, to pursue any information they wanted to, and they were graded on how they pursued that information. And the goal was to make sure everybody in the class uh, got an A. So, um, uh, and if you didn't get an A, there was a bigger problem. So we needed to make sure you got there. I am um, happy to be here and talk about the value of the school libraries. 
And libraries, public libraries as well. Yeah, yeah. So as we were talking uh, prior to the show, we were sort of talking about this crisis in education. And I, I imagine that it's a national crisis in education and not just a California crisis. But it also sounds like our state might be uniquely susceptible. Oh, Lord, are you kidding? <laughs> are we going there? Sure. Okay. California is dead last. I mean, even beyond Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico does better than we do. In terms of how we value our school libraries, we are dead last. California has somewhere around 6 million students, the most students of any uh, uh, state in the uh, 65 states that we have. Uh, anyway, <laughs> look that up. Not everything you hear on radio is real news. But anyway, in all of the states, uh, we are dead last. We have six, uh, six, uh, some about six million students, somewhere in there. Uh, a little bit more than Texas. Texas has about five. And we have 800 uh, teacher librarians in the state of California. Oh, 800, my God. 800. Oh. Oh. Um, what's re- really wild about this is that most, uh, most administrators, uh, most superintendents, um, and frankly, most teachers don't really fully understand what is the the educational role of the school library. Ninety uh, percent of our schools have school libraries. Ninety percent of them have uh, classified uh, library clerks, uh, which are doing, by the way, a Herculean job mm-hmm. in school libraries, and they deserve. Uh, and tremendous amount of credit for what they do. Mm-hmm. And 90% of our school libraries do not have a credentialed teacher librarian in them. So in essence, 90% have no librarian. And when we start talking about the issues of, I don't know, equity, some people, I think, have a concern about that, maybe even literacy, and, and maybe even about cultural proficiency. These three big topics and more uh, are addressed right head-on in the school library because the youngest students may not have access to books, mm-hmm. and the school library provides them, you know, the they have to bring the students to school access to books. Uh, and then when they get to the books, are the books representational of, of not just a single story? Like, you know, that type of person becomes that type of per, uh a career or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the school mm-hmm. librarian, uh, a teacher librarian is, is, is the one that, and, and that's true for public libraries. You guys are very intentional mm-hmm. about, um, what are we, what's message are we sending? And so, you know, isn't it one wild to see in our most disadvantaged communities, so, uh, uh, economically disadvantaged that often the library is not open only a few hours during the course of the day, during the school day. I think most people, love libraries. I've rarely met somebody who is anti-library until you get into the public school system. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. So is that a, it's obviously a money problem, but is it also a misunderstanding problem, some sort of conception that because now books are largely online or, you know, we all carry around all this information in our pockets, so whatever that information isn't important anymore. What's the what's the disconnect here? Well, yeah, I think the idea of what what is the purpose or role of school uh, school library is is the, the big problem. There's not an understanding about what it's about. So um, you had a couple of points in your question. Give me one, and I'll chew on it. <laughs> is it a money question Let's or a misunderstanding there. question? Yes. It, it, and that's that's a that's yes. The answer is yes. It's both yeah. because, for example. Um, we have literacy coaches and science coaches and uh, all kinds of different TOSAs that do all kinds of different roles in, in, a, uh, in a school. 
But when you have a teacher librarian, that person is actually finding out what the intrinsic motivations of all those students are and then making connections in all those content areas. So you actually get a bigger bang for your buck Mm -hmm. in having a a credentialed teacher librarian at a school than you do having to hire five or six different people to do instructional makeup work because you shut down the the love for learning early on. In fact, if you look at a article, it was a, it was the January, February, uh, no, no, I'm wrong. It is the September, October, got it right. September, October, uh, headline of the AXA publication, which is the Cali- the um, uh, Association of California School Administrators, um, journal called Leadership. On the front page of that journal that was just published this school, at the beginning of the school year, it calls into question, uh, saying uh, you could use teacher librarians uh, to help make up for the teacher shortage in st- certain instructional areas. So even in mm-hmm. the school administrator um, journal just this year, that was called out uh, explicitly. And I encourage people to, to wow. get a copy of it and read it. Yeah, interesting. Allie and Jane, I don't know if you can kind of tell the demographics of the public library system, school library system, I assume, is occupied entirely by students. But in your um, realm, is it, it like what's the breakdown of children versus adults um, who are accessing the programs? Or is it mostly mothers bringing children in and or kind of tell me who who's using the libraries? I think traditionally people assume it's. Um, parents with it's only parents with small children, yeah. but in fact that's not true. And I just wanted to add to what um, you were talking about before, maybe what the problem is. There is a real digital divide in this country, and we assume that everyone has access, everyone has a phone, everyone can pay an internet bill, and that's just not true. And um, and the other point I wanted to make, which pains me about school libraries is it's the idea that the library is just there to support the subject matter. Well, in wow. fact, that's not the case. Well, yeah, it's not the case. Right. And it's the same reason why so many people come to the public library. But to more to your point, um, we have adults um, that just love to read. We have adults that attend programming. We also do career online high school. We've Mm -hmm. graduated six um, adults with um, high school diplomas, and they're not um, GED diplomas. They're real diplomas. Not that GED isn't real. but um, And they work with librarians because we have a, a program, OC Read, and that's a literacy program. So that's early literacy and adult literacy. So um, we really run the gamut, and that's what I like about being a public librarian because I do get to work with all sorts of demographics, and they're there. And these people, whether they're two years old and they're learning, you know, beginning reading, or they're adults, or they're an older person at home alone, lonely, mm-hmm. you know, this yeah. is where they can come to be part of a community and to have access to these materials. Are you finding a similar gap that Glenn is describing about how dead last California is in the school library situation? Is that true of public libraries as well? Um, well, I'm originally from back east, <laughs> and when I came here, I was a little 
I noticed that right away. I think I've been here about 15 years now, and I've noticed that right away. And I did share with um, my colleagues here that, you know, we did recent recruitment for librarians, for public libraries, and there were several people who were school librarians, and they were fantastic people, really fantastic people who were now out of a job because their schools closed the library. And it seems to be, in this country, it's always the library, music programs, <laughs> art mm -hmm. programs. You know, we'll keep a football team, but we won't keep the other programs. So that is, it's a concern. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to add, um, you know, part of my passion for getting involved in libraries is that equity piece and access for all, right? That's yeah. what libraries are, are seeing, and that's what we want them to be. Um, I think the recognizing, yes, we serve all. I'm a member of our Costa Mesa book club, right? So I'm there with adults uh, both in their 30s, 40s, as well as retired um, adults, seniors, um, I also am a volunteer for the Newport Mesa Pro Literacy Program mm -hmm. at Newport Beach Public Library, similar to OC mm -hmm. Reads. We um, are helping adult learners who want to learn English and um, help them become more engaged in the community. Um, the teen, one of the things I love about our Costa Mesa brand new Donald Duncan Library is that teen bar. Before, <laughs> <laughs> before coming into the studio, we were talking a little bit about, <clears throat> um, you know, that the, this new library that was built, it's much bigger, um, than, uh, our original, but we didn't necessarily bring over a lot more book collections. Yes, we did add some, mm -hmm. but it's this space. And I think, again, that goes back to your, um, introductory about how libraries have changed. And to, uh, quote mm -hmm. something from Abby from her novel, she'll be speaking this Sunday again at the Costa Mesa Women's Club. <laughs> Thank um, you. In her third novel, uh, Life, The Bookish Life of Nina Hill, Abby returns to the suburbs of Los Angeles, this time to tackle themes of isolation and connection through the eyes of a confirmed introvert, a young bookseller whose carefully plotted life is about to go way off script. I think, again, libraries are accommodating for the changing times to bring people together um, and having that space um, we we do hold events at the library, and one event that Marie and I were talking about that happened last week, and this is to touch on, there are a lot of young moms coming to the library, mm. and for four babies, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of research that shows early childhood education to be investing during that time when the brain is developing mm -hmm. and growing, and um, I've been so proud here in California that our governor, that Governor Newsom has mm -hmm. taken a platform to um, make this a priority here in our state. And um, just looking at our newsletter, the Costa Mesa uh, Friends of the Library newsletter, uh, Christina Jones, our branch librarian, wrote that uh, this past summer they had over 600 signups from for their reading program, so that's y young children. In addition, the library collaborated with Newport Mesa Unified School District for lunch at the library, mm -hmm. which is a program that provides free meals to children 18 and under. Their first year, they provided over 1,500 meals to children, and the fall has been very busy celebrating Hispanic 
Hispanic Heritage Month, um, new baby programs, baby band, um, which will get babies drumming, rapping, um, <laughs> and shaking to music. Uh, so, yeah, anytime you go into the library, it's really nice to see that um, young families have a place to go and, and kids are, are being read to. We should highlight the Donald Duggan Library because um, we didn't quite get a chance to introduce it, but it's brand new. I was there last month, and it's so beautiful. It's just mm-hmm. stunningly gorgeous. And I had no idea that it was there or planned. And you just opened a music center outside. It's just um, incredible. And, and it's nice to see a community investing what had to have been a lot of money and making that a priority and, and building this incredible space. So maybe you can you can kind of introduce the library a little better than I did here. Sure. So just to clarify those musical instruments, there's two libraries in Costa Mesa. We have our beautiful new building, the, the Donald Duncan. We also have a very um, beautiful building and very cozy, intimate library over in Mesa Verde. And that's where we had our ribbon cutting ceremony last mm-hmm. week where we put in brand new outdoor instruments. And again, this is um, we are, as I mentioned before, coming to the studio, Costa Mesa is the city of the arts. And so I think it highlights um, the integration, which Glenn and I often talk about, that it's not just teaching literacy, it's not just teaching history or science, but integrating it and making learning meaningful and fun for kids. Um, I think the the instruments are going to draw a lot of people to the library and, and be... Um, a great resource of fun and engagement. The Donald Duncan Library is, um, for those who are familiar in Costa Mesa, we have a town square. Um, if, mm. if many, we're all of three of us on the panel are from back east. So <laughs> being out in California, <laughs> as town square as it gets, but the triangle. What are you talking about? <laughs> the, the triangle, which is there at Newport Boulevard and 19th, the intersection, the Donald Duncan Library is located on Park Ave, just behind there. And, um, we also have our senior center on that same block as, as well as our Costa Mesa Historical Society, which has their library and our community center which is um, being um, uh, renovated right now. So it was a big uh, investment, um, but uh, as our, uh, we had our grand opening May 24th, and our acting city manager at the time, Tamara Letourneau, said today is a historic day for the city of Costa Mesa and one of the great celebrations and one of great celebration and joy. As we reflect on what we are accomplishing today, we know that we are incredibly blessed to have this opportunities as cities don't get too often to open new libraries. Mm. And just going to your comment about what what um, schools or towns are spending their money on, I think shows what they value. And again, this equity and access for all, as well as safety. You know, homelessness is a real issue here in all of Orange County, certainly Costa Mesa, and we've been taking measures to to you know treat our citizens more like humans than animals. Sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like we're treating them worse than our um, animals would ever mm-hmm. be treated. And and so um, again, I know from personal experience being involved in a program at the library where uh, adult learner was coming to the library. She was homeless living in her car and that was the one place she felt safe. She mm-hmm. has this mm-hmm. eagerness to learn. She wants to huh. be engaged in the community and um, and this is where she went with the library. Wow. That's very cool. Wow. That's very cool. And you guys partner with a lot of different organizations. I know you partner with Segerstrom, um, 
maybe for some performing arts. Yeah. Can you talk, can all you talk a little bit about that? Um, well, in terms of, uh, OCPL, we partner with PBS with, um, we actually uh, were partnered with UCI for a while with our annual literary orange event. Um, we partner with all the, um, tons of school districts, boys and girls clubs. So a lot of group, um, group effort. But I do want to give a shout out to the city of Costa Mesa and um, their friends. And I think it speaks a lot to that city that they felt they wanted a public library that they could be proud of. And it really is so heartwarming and heartening to see the effort that that community put in to raise that money. And even just the uh, the instruments at Mesa Verde, that was all raised by friends of the library and their friends. They did not use money that people donated to the friends for the library. They didn't want to do that. They didn't want to take away. They considered that taking away from the library's collection. So they raised that money all Mm -hmm. on their own. Mm -hmm. So those are those people's neighbors uh, from the city and, you know, outside the city because a lot of people come from cities all around to visit that building because it's so lovely. But again, I just want to thank them and every other friends group, especially during this Friends of the Library Week. We should take a moment to sort of introduce what the concept of Friends of the Library is, because I realize not everybody may, you know, I might be assuming some information here and not everybody may know what Friends of the Library program is. So um, I don't know who it makes most sense to jump in here and talk about sort of the, the umbrella idea and how people can get involved if they're interested in it. I can share the mission and the vision of uh, the Costa Mesa Friends of the Library. Um, Again, our vision is to intensify community use and awareness of libraries, um, sponsoring community cultural programs to communicate community needs to the libraries, create public support to expand library programs, and encourage gifts, endowments, and and library um, memorials. The Friends support our libraries by stimulating the community awareness, creating public support, funding programs and materials that aren't always covered by library budgets. So, um, for example, again, um, we raised the money for the, the musical instruments. Um, in the past, I, you know, we were just talking about how libraries have changed over the course of the mm-hmm. years. And in 2006, um, the Friends of Costa Mesa Library um, bought a, uh, a portable building because the the funding that Friends is often provide the way Friends is um, uh, is uh, is funding these programs is through book sales, fundraising mm-hmm. events, as well as individuals in the community, as you said, your neighbors, um, and and businesses and organizations. Um, uh, PBS SoCal just helped to sponsor an author we had come speak this past weekend. Um, Victor Velasniar, and um, and uh, there's also equipment and furnishings that these funds help provide. So in 2000, um, the friends, uh, 
don't have the year here, but but basically they recognized that we needed computers and more technology, and they mm-hmm. helped build. We had a third library in Costa Mesa that was just around technology, which has been integrated into our new bigger library. But that was something I wanted to point out. That was thanks to the friends and their funding. But we need everybody's support. You know, it's great to have um, wonderful and giving generous um, donors here in our community, like the Sagershams, the Samwellies, the mm-hmm. uh, PBS SoCal. I mean, we, I don't mean to be forgetting anyone, but, <laughs> yeah. but um, they, they are doing so much. But I think, again, it says a lot when everyone can con- contribute, whether it's, I'm not working at the moment. I'll, everything I'm doing right now is volunteer, but I think giving your time, we are always looking for volunteers. So if anyone <laughs> is interested in volunteering, um, you can contact the friends, uh, friends of CM Libraries, all one word, at gmail.com. What was that again? It was, thank you, Glenn. Friends of CM Libraries, all one word, at gmail.com. Oh, we don't want to be geographists here, yeah, so I suppose we should say, say they all yeah. have, I assume every, yes, every city absolutely. has its own. Absolutely. Well, and as I said, you know, I am very, I live in Costa Mesa now, but when I moved here from the Boston area, um, I was living in Corona Del Mar, just across the street from the Central Library. Mm-hmm. And being new in town and not knowing many people, being an educator, I was always at that library. And it is, um, I don't want there ever to be competition when it comes to us talking about <laughs> whether it's schools or or public places we you know we all need to be helping one another and I think on that note of collaboration going back to the no small matter event which was held at our new Donald Duncan library when Costa Mesa launched the early childhood coalition which is composed of um everyone from our community um and still building but our um City council, our city elected mm-hmm. officials are are represented at the table. Our um, school district, Newport Mesa Unified School District. We have the Early Childhood Orange County. We have the Melinda Hogue, Melinda S- Smith Hogue Family Center, which um, is doing tremendous work in our community to serve families. And the idea is that success for all takes us all. That's a good motto. Success for all takes us. I really like that. I would like to add, though, in the sense of not being um, for one area versus another, (laughs) um, there's something that happens in a friends group for OCPL that I always like to mention, and I think it just epitomizes the kind of people that get involved, like Allison, in this endeavor, there's a, a, a somewhat wealthier community within Orange County that has a friends group that every summer, they raise money through their bookstore, and every summer they pay for another community in Orange County for their summer reading club. Oh, really? They oh. don't raise that money. And I, you know, to me, that's everything. That's so you, you have people, and I, I would say they're probably 10 miles apart, and that's another example of example. your neighbors. You could have wealthy mm-hmm. neighbors, neighbors that go without. And the fact that every year, for years, this group of volunteers have been doing that for this other friends group, I think, speaks volumes. That's a really great point. And I don't know if there's another example of a community in our nation that exemplifies it so well of people going without 
living juxtaposed next to people Mm-hmm. That have right. a few more advantages, right. yeah, and uh, yeah. So, so wealth spreading is really that's mm-hmm. really important. You are tuned into Real People of Orange County on KUCI eighty-eight point nine FM in Irvine. We are celebrating Friends of the Libraries Week, and we're kicking that off by filling up our studio with librarians, people who love libraries, and uh, just celebrating libraries in general. Glenn, I was wondering if you could talk about how you how you or if you partner with public libraries, how the schools work with public library systems and how you... Well, sure. Um, first of all, uh, to speak uh, to every observation I've ever made of public libraries uh, and where we've resided and where I've been teaching here in Orange County and um, and in San Diego County, for that matter, the public libraries, I would say it's not an understatement to say that they desperately want to, to collaborate with schools. Absolutely. Uh, they... They are on fire uh, <laughs> to to want to do that. However, because the bridge is out, as I had talked about earlier, they find that there's there's they keep calling out and ver- no echo comes back mm-hmm. because there's no one in house to understand the value of what's going on, and so wild opportunities are missed mm-hmm. um, like one for one example why not every student has a library card uh, that seems pretty basic um, and then sadly when those collaborations start to happen uh, if they do um, one of the thoughts is well hey we got the public library let's shut down the school library that does happen and the, the public librarians will be the very first to say no, don't do that. So there's a desire, Absolutely. a wild desire, because we, we've spent, I guess I guess what we should have is you have friends of the library, and I think we should start a new group called We Need Friends of the School Library, because <laughs> yeah. yeah. we don't have any friends. We have no friends, but no friends of the school <laughs> library. And that's really problematic because... The most libraries we have in the state are school libraries. Just do the numbers because every school has one, and they meet families where they have to be. So, you know, there's a compulsory law that basically says you need to have that education. And like we talked before, like, you know, if this, if a child is in a school, li- I mean, a public library during school hours, we have a name for that. It's called truancy. <laughs> right. So it's not that the libraries want to pull, you know, public libraries want to pull people out of school. But we, we just don't have the bridge that's there. So, um, but when that happens, the, the, it's, it's a, this is going to date me, but it's a Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire moment. Yeah. Of, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it's the school librarian that does the backwards dancing in heels, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. Yeah, I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, but when that happens, it's absolutely magical. And, 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 and another mm-hmm. thing I think we should point out is the, there are some out there, your know, listeners, that will think that the library is completely empty. There's nobody there. There are people who think that. And they need to understand that they're wildly uninformed. Uh, one example is just go to your public library and see how many people are there. And not just one age group, but every age group. So now you have families coming together. Um, one of the things we have not discussed, and I think we need to bring it up, at least in terms of a shout-out, is uh, academic uh, university libraries. Believe it or not, UCI has a library. 
<laughs> I know that I might heard come a rumor. To, you know, I got to tell you, it might come as a shock, but it does. And, and all the departments and all the academic areas actually hub around uh, them. In fact, each academic area has its own academic librarian. Most people may not be aware of that. Mm-hmm. And if you go into a university library around exam time, you can't get in. Right. It is filled with students. So um, we've needed libraries now more than ever. Um, and then what happens, do you think? Because you have kids who uh, maybe you go into the, the public libraries as a kid. You go into college libraries, and that's where we all did our studying. I did my studying. And then what happens? And then you just kind of drop off as an adult and you never go into, I mean, the, the number of people, adults who have not read a book in their adult life in the past year is astounding. <laughs> I'm like, so you get all this education and then it just drops off. Or oh boy, what I love it. Mm-hmm. May I comment yeah. on that? <laughs> Please. Okay. Well, first of all, if you drop off when you're done with school, it sounds more like you got done with your factory job. And you thank God that's over with. Right. So let's just say that is a symptom. What you're describing in yourself is it a symptom of the love of learning being completely removed from your educational soul. And when you have a love for learning, you will keep on going. So one of the things that we've seen is going back to something you had shared earlier about the uh, it's not about content. It's not about just the subject matter. It's about what's inside the, the individual learner. Think, think of it this for a moment. In every classroom at every school, when you walk into that classroom, you are told what you are going to learn. There is a syllabus. There are standards. And by the way, we could have another show on this one. Many of our teachers are suffering from post-traumatic standards disorder. So we need to have you know an entire uh, show just on that alone. But when you go into those, those classrooms you are told what you're going to learn and how you will be evaluated. And that's their job. That's the job of a teacher. But when you walk into a school library, you get to choose. You are empowered to choose the content, try, choose the subject matter, choose the, the fictional subject matter. And by the way, ask a school librarian for what a patron has checked out. You will die on a hill before you get that information from a school librarian. Yeah. They will protect your information. In fact, there was... Same th- thing as a public well, librarian. Well, I would have I to have say that. 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 <laughs> that's sort of like the doctrine of all... Yes. That's the, that's the, yeah. uh, the Hippocratic oath of all uh, librarians. <laughs> but anyway... I didn't know that. That's a, that's a very interesting fact. I did not know. Well, you so want to know another fact that goes along yes. with that. Back in the time when we had the 9-11 concern and all that, mm-hmm. there, were, there, were, there were companies were handing over data like crazy. Uh, in, in the name of safety, uh, in the name of protecting our country. But there were two groups that did not give up their information at all. And the first group was Vegas. <laughs> Vegas did Vegas. not give up its information. <laughs> Vegas, so what? literally during that time, what happened in Vegas literally did stay in Vegas. <laughs> there was one other wild rogue group that kept that information, and that was all librarians. Librarians mm-hmm. did not give up that information even during that dark time because... They were coming from, and just correct me if, how mm-hmm. am I doing so far? Am I doing okay? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. <laughs> <perfect>. <laughs> just checking. Just checking. <laughs> but they're, they're based on a foundation of, of trust, 
of not looking to what the requirements of the world around the patron is, but looking at the patron themselves and saying, what is it that matters to you and how can I help you? Mm-hmm. Imagine that same, that same spirit in a school where it is not about the standard, it is not about the content, it's about you. It's not about the standard, it's about the student and what matters to you. And the more we connect you and equip you to go after the things that matter to you, you're less likely to give up on that when you leave education. In fact, you'll never stop. Right. So that's the idea. Right. And by the way, the skill set that's needed to make that happen is media and information literacy. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that the, uh, the, the expertise that all librarians share is they are information literacy experts. Now, have you heard anything about fake news recently? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. <laughs> and that's a really bad term. Some people get upset with the word fake news because it, 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 it steals fear or whatever. But the bottom line is we are now in a brand new world of almost infinite amounts of information. You know, when you walk into a, the old university libraries, you used to see so many volumes. It, like, it, was, the, it was like volumes and like a sea of books. And you, you needed a librarian to help you navigate through that sea of, of books. We have a sea of information that far exceeds that. And yet, we're not equipping our citizens, mm-hmm. our students. We're not equipping our future for the very skill set right now that's needed more than any other, I think, and that is media and information literacy, and it's almost absent from K-12 education because we have so many standards we have to finish getting. And we're also seeing at the university level, I wish we had a, I wish we had the UCI librarian director yeah, here right now because they would get, I would, I would wager they would say amen to what Glenn is saying because we're, they're spending most of their time on the undergraduate level remediating Mm-hmm. students mm-hmm. to pursue information at the university level. Right. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So keep Same the flames of going is yeah, what I'm yeah. suggesting. Yeah. And give them, give us, you know, what are we f- focusing on? Are we focusing on content? But are we, are we focusing on the, the critical thinking skills that are so desperately needed in a world where we better be careful that we, we already know we've been manipulated already. Right. And we're still not going to we're still not going to join forces together to 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 give our citizens, our future citizens, the skill sets that they so desperately need. How to act, you know, uh, access information, evaluate it, integrate it, understand who originated that information, and use that information safely, ethically, and legally. Right. So one of the things that I, I agree a hundred percent with what Glenn is saying, and one of the things that we've been talking a lot about and working really hard at OCPL about is reducing barriers to services and materials we have. And just little things, you used to have to pay a quarter to get a hold, which means if you live in Tustin and there's a book that you want is in La Habra, you'd have to pay a quarter. We no longer do that. We do automatic renewals because we would have families that would stay away Mm -hmm. because they were afraid of the fines they owed. But um, I think, and I I will give a shout-out to public teachers because I was just speaking to one of my branch managers the other day who was contacted by public um, teachers in the area who who want our presence there. And so what we do is we table at, I mean, I remember tabling things at um, Open House where we come and we give out library cards. 
And back in the day when I was at a branch at a librarian, the person I would contact for everything I ever needed and I knew had their finger on the pulse was the school librarian. So, um, and just another thing about school libraries is, you know, I'm sentimental about them and I feel like for those kids that don't fit into the slots, now we're all about, everyone's talking about STEM. Social emotional learning. So, yeah, and, um, these are where those kids, when I when I was a kid, that's where they went to feel comfortable, like Allison talked about, feeling safe, but feeling safe, too. And, um, you know, that's lost. And there's no, there's no serendipity or serendipitous learning to their life anymore. It's all structured. And if you don't fit into that hole, it, it's a struggle. So... Um, I would just applaud the public teachers that are trying to pick up that mantle and reaching out because they do reach out to us and we reach out to them. We do have, um, we've had efforts in different school districts about uh, every student gets a library card and things like that. So, um, but it's really heartbreaking to see what's happened to um, school libraries. It really is. And they... uh, like I said, they are the people that when you wanted to know anything about what was going on at the school and what kids wanted to do, what kids were interested in, they're the people that could fill you in. Do you think that's a, a um, social media issue that the kids are just now substituting time that they would have spent curiously in the library on their phones? Well, it's interesting when Allison was talking about the new Donald Dungan, one thing that people are very shocked at is when you walk into the teen center. So there was lot years of discussion of what that would look like, and we sort of arrived at it wasn't going to be anything that we thought were cool because we're old and we would get that wrong. So basically, <laughs> we just thought like a coffee, coffee house, shop. you yeah, couldn't get house. that wrong. And what shocks people when they first come in there, there's not a computer in there. Yeah. And uh, there's outlets because kids use their phone. But plenty of times you go in there and they're just sitting around talking, studying or and talking to each other. Yes. And there are studies that show that (laughs) that it's children. It's YA fiction that is flying off the shelves, that that's what they're spending money on. And this is this is their generation. And like we were all talking earlier you know, they might be the ones that save fiction as y- long young as adult the climate. For yeah. those who may not know what YA yeah. is. Yeah. Right. right. Do they have their own book clubs? YA yes, book clubs? Yes, we do at Branches. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we also have a book club for adults that like to read YA. Uh-huh. Uh, they don't there's have a to lot. wear a there's mask. There's a lot. <laughs> yeah. My yeah. wife's yeah. one of them. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot. And there, I mean, we have every variety of book club uh, parents, mom, dads. Dad's daughters, really? Yeah, that's all, great. Uh, you can even read to a dog at several <laughs> branches, so to pra- so kids can practice their reading skills. And how often? Like once a month for each one. Usually, you know, book clubs run once, once a, month. a month. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And great. we even have uh, we're talking about so we have great teen groups that are called Tab, and so they're teen advisory boards. So mm-hmm. we work with them; they're volunteers. And we work with them, and they give us ideas and tell us what's 
happening and what isn't. And um, we also have a team committee at OCPL. And one thing we're talking about now is you're talking about the, um, the use of digital devices with teens is uh, maybe having the tab groups meet virtually because kids mm. from La Habra are completely, you know, are different but exactly the same in some ways as kids in Irvine. So how interesting would it be to get them together and, you know, and virtually is the way to do that because they're not driving or, and then maybe they could have a virtual book club or. You could even but, do that across really di distant geographies. I mean, I think it'd be really interesting to have international book clubs. We, we are yeah. doing that. Are you yeah. doing that? Yeah, we actually really have, cool. uh, we have uh, a uh, dual language school, fifth and sixth grade combo class in Monterrey, Mexico. Wow. Cool. That is now connecting with a fifth, sixth combo class teacher in, uh, Southern California, cool. and uh, they are uh, doing two things. They're doing um, uh, live video conferencing between the two, uh, and they're also using um, asynchronous video communication. Uh, Flipgrid is what they're using, and we now have another school that's added to this uh, group. Uh, it's a dual-language English and Spanish school in um, Spain. How cool. That's joined in, not on the wow. video conferencing part because it's uh, too long, but the the, the virtual wow. part. That's so. really incredible. Yeah. That's really incredible. But that's all part of the library love work, see? Yeah. Because it was, okay, this is what we'd like to do. How do we then, okay, you have a desire to do this. How do we do that not only uh, in a credible way, but also in an exciting, incre an incredible way? Mm -hmm. How do we do it in a credible way and an incredible mm -hmm. way? I like that. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I N in parentheses or whatever. <laughs> yeah, we got to work on that. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, we'll work on here. the logo after, <laughs> after the show. I love hearing uh, bringing people from around the world, around the country, virtually together. Um, at our grand opening of the Donald Duncan Library, we had several mm -hmm. dignitaries and city officials there speaking, and um, our city council members. We have both um, for District Four, our youngest city council member Manuel Chavez, and then um, our uh, um, for District 5. This is the first time we voted in districts. She's um, Arliss Reynolds, and she, when she got up to speak, both of them would attend these li the libraries, their local mm -hmm. library, as kids growing up in Costa Mesa. And um, Arliss's recollection was reading these stories that took her to these far-off places. And, you know, mm -hmm. both her parents were teachers, are educators, and um, sh oh, she commented that they didn't have enough money to travel to these places, but mm -hmm. the books would take take mm -hmm. her there. But again, this idea that um, a book club, the discussion, I think because that's what we're talking about thinking critically right so you read something but then how are who is it that you're going to bounce those questions off right, with yeah. and and have dialogue and discuss for sure that's really cool having different perspectives trying to put a, a label on libraries as a whole has been kind of a 15-year mission for me because yeah. you know when you ask a librarian what do they do you you generally like what do you do you generally just get a stare because they already, it's not that they don't know the answer. They just know you don't have time to listen to the answer. Right. <laughs> or if you ask 30 different yeah. librarians, you'll get 30 mm -hmm. different answers. No, I think they'll be pretty close. But if you give them time, they will all be the same answer. You just have to give them time. time. It just appears to be different answers. <laughs> it's just they prioritize their list differently, I think. So w one of the ways we try to narrow down what libraries represent for schools and, for I think, for the public and, and for universities is 
we summed it up in the word love. Mm. Learning opportunities, valuing everyone. Mm. And that's what libraries, I think, is a cap- encapsulated. It's about love. It's not about the law of what you have to learn or about the policy you have to you know, advance. It's about, look, it's a love for you, for what does it matter, what matters to you, and how can I provide learning opportunities that not just value you, but value everyone. I think the other, the other thing to consider is that we've, we've worked so hard on the, the, uh, the diversity homework from the last century. And by the way, the report card's back and, uh, we got an incomplete. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. some would say, yeah, we got an F. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. But, but that, that work's not done. Even though that work is still not done and still needs every bit of effort to move forward with it, there's a new challenge on the horizon that we haven't even begun to look at. And that's not just diversity, but it's divergence. Mm-hmm. Because what's happening is that people are now gra- grouping together of different races and different nationalities around a subject that matters to them. And you got in, on the internet, and you got another group that's over here that's gathered around that issue that, or something that matters to them, and another group over here that that gathers around that issue. And they're all very different issues. But now, these wildly different issues, maybe a physicist here, a musician over here, you know, a cake boss over there. Um, a singer over here, whatever. I, ca- I can't think of all the di- different things. This idea in a library, encouraging the idea that maybe these all these people should meet. And maybe instead of looking at each other being separate from one another, that they're actually ultimately in some ways interdependent on one another. Mm-hmm. And the glorious creativity that comes out of connecting two things you never thought went together is just, to me the most exciting thing ever and that happens every single day mm-hmm. in libraries everywhere i'm totally with you on that mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. well you guys have been a joy can you believe we're out of time i want to give one more plug to um things coming up so obviously i'm going to be in conversation with abby waxman on sunday october 20th at 2 p.m at the women's club in costa mesa are there other things coming up that listeners should be aware of that they could would be interested in? Um, well, we have a regular uh, story times, uh, book clubs. We're going to be celebrating um, Halloween at the Costa Mesa branches. Uh, bilingual story time, uh, Dea de los Muertos craft programs, etc. So there's always something going on. Very cool. Allie, do you have anything coming um, up? Yes, yeah, so... Um, uh, definitely check the websites as, as Marie had mm-hmm. shared earlier for, um, the children's calendar. We also, um, have our story time hours, um, those young adult advisory councils we were mentioning earlier in the show, um, college prep, uh, book reviews. Um, the Newport Beach Library is having an author talk on Saturday, October 26th. It's a happy hour, so please <laughs> check out their website. Um, I hope to see everybody this Sunday with Abby and Marie at the Costa Mesa Women's Club. It's 2 to 3.30, and I'd love to hear any um, suggestions for future author talks. You can email me at cmfolevents, all one word, 
at gmail.com. Thank you. I like the happy hour idea. Okay. You'll have to bring your own alcohol for the Tuesday, <laughs> the, the uh, Sunday. <laughs> oh, can I plug yeah, one more thing please. for as far as support goes? Um, in it, whether it's the Costa Mesa friends or uh, Newport Mesa Literacy, other friends of the libraries, but Amazon, smile.amazon.com is a place mm-hmm. where people are going all the time mm-hmm. to shop, and Amazon will give. So you can give um, half a half percent of your purchase in cash to um, the the organization you would like. So again, it's smile.amazon.com, and that's one way to give. That's a very cool idea. And to volunteer. Yes. Mm -hmm. You can volunteer, give time, give money, give treasure, give... Yeah, that's wonderful. You guys were great. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's all the time we have for today. Stay tuned for Who Are You? coming up next on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. (laughs) And uh, we will be right back here with you next Thursday afternoon. So until next time, thanks so much for joining us. Have a great, great day.